Hello, and welcome to Farmers Capital Conversations. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. This podcast aims to help farmers expand your capital, whether social, intellectual, or economic. Investing on and off farm is hard enough. Here, we will provide insightful stories and resources to help out. Full transparency, this is our shameless way for you to like us and hopes you partner with us down the road. Lastly, there are no ads here. All I ask is you enjoy and share if you find value. Now, on to the episode. Because people want you to do good and they will do more than you ever thought they could if you'll just give them the right tools and the right belief behind them, right? And here's the other thing. People make mistakes. My people make mistakes all the time. Guess what? Casey, I make mistakes. So if I make mistakes, they're, they're going to make mistakes too. And I'm okay with it as long as they do it with the right heart and the right intentions, right? And then I reward that because they're trying something. They're getting uncomfortable. They were trying probably something new and that's okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are excited to have on Corey Peterson. As the CEO and founder of Kahuna Investments, Corey Peterson has acquired over $250 million in real estate nationwide and raised over $100 million in private equity. He is the best-selling author of Copy Your Way to Success, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, and hosts the Multifamily Legacy Podcasts. His company's mission is to partner with passive investors to create award-winning apartment communities that families are proud to call home. Corey, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. I love what you guys are doing at Kahuna Investments. Um, your assets are are nice. They You guys do a good job. Just before this call, we were talking about operational integration. I love that you guys are diving into that. And also, I didn't know that you were also a financial advisor in your past life. Um, but maybe before we get into those two big, big topics, I'd love to hear a little bit more of your backstory, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, well, I'm a rags to riches success story. I'm a self-made multimillionaire. I started off as a used car salesman. I was like, uh, uh, I wrote that book, Copy Your Way to Success, because that uh, in high school, that was my best gift. Um, I was never really good at doing the the work, but I was a master copier. And I only, I only copied from smart people. <laughs> I found that in my business life, I actually call it modeling success, right? Not mm. copying. Copy is a strong word. Yeah, But we model success a lot, and I found that I was really good at doing that. And so I didn't get to download from the mothership till I was 32 years old, and I went to Hawaii. It was with my girlfriend, uh, now my wife of 21 years. Um, but we, uh, my, I met my first mentor. His name was Bruce, and I, I like to call him Bruce Wayne. He wasn't <laughs> Batman, but he did have a lot of money. <laughs> and he had a house right on the beach in Kauai, the Garden Island. And I, I'd never seen money or wealth like that before. And I was, because Bruce had time and money. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. have one, not, not very many of us have both, right? And so I, and it was different. I saw it, it was different. And so I asked him like, what do you do? And then he said the magic words. He said that he was in real estate and that he owned apartments. And so now I left the island thinking he was the big kahuna. Uh-huh. Like he had it going on. And so uh, about four months later, I read the little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. And I was sold because Bruce was self-made as well. And I was like, if Bruce can do it, I can do it. So I went and started uh, <clears throat> really buying every book I could. And so in 2005, I, I created my company. I called it Kahuna Investments because I wanted to be the big kahuna just like Bruce. <laughs> and um, I started off in single family, right, doing uh, uh, wholesales and um, fix and flips. And then I started learning how to raise private money. 
Mm-hmm. And I really did that from my financial background. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but I realized you can't scale that. <clears throat> it's hard to scale single family homes. And so in 2011, I transitioned into multifamily apartments. And that's ever that's all we've been doing ever since. So now we own, like you said, $250 million of commercial apartments. These are bigger 100 unit plus buildings. Um, our last purchase was 40 million bucks and we uh, we raised uh, 15 million dollars in private equity. So it's been an amazing journey from uh, you know a small time farm boy uh, in Missouri in the Ozarks just like the Netflix movie um, to now running a, a full blown corporation company and, uh, and and I love it. I love what I do. I didn't know you were also a farm boy. We have something alike. Not only real estate, but I guess a farm background as well. I've bailed a lot of hay and I've picked a lot of rock. Oh yeah, me too. Grew up on a hill just full of rocks. It was basically one big rock. Yeah. <laughs> know that well. People are like, how do you pick rock? Well, I was like, well, it's not complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These. You got these yeah. hands and a wheelbarrow. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, that's great. yeah, uh, you know, for me... Uh, once I realized that real estate was my passion, and it really is my love, I, I, I truly love it. But I, I go back to when I, the thing that propelled me was raising private money. And uh, I would love to be able to talk a little bit about my financial advisor background, because I think there's a lot of uh, things that your audience may may, may understand and, and feel, because this, I know the mm-hmm. things that I felt, right? Yeah, let's get into it if you want. So when I was a financial advisor, so here's the thing. So I, I started in 2005, but I, I actually stopped. Um, I flipped some homes and then I bought some rental properties. I bought three rental properties and I had like $200, uh, profit per three, you know, per rental per 300 bucks, right. Mm-hmm. Or 600 bucks total, two, four, six, three properties. And then I was broke. I had no more money. I was like, well, I can't live off of this. So luckily I found that you could get a job as a financial advisor. Um, you, you didn't have to have a degree. I'm like, Oh, perfect. They just, you need to have sales experience or business experience. I was like, well, I own Kahuna investments. Right. So there was my business experience, right? Mm-hmm. My little startup company of buying some properties. But but I got in there and what Edward Jones taught me was all about money, like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, the whole gamut. And I started to get smart. I realized what most investors are doing with their money. And there's a mountain. I mean, trillions and trillions of dollars are invested in the stock market. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because, listen, there's a there's a lot of you should be investing in something. And so version one is better than version none. Mm-hmm. But here's what I've learned from that. This is my lessons from it as a financial advisor. Now, this is can I talk about how the, the inside of the underbelly a little bit? Let's do it. This is the what not so here glamorous for. part. OK, this is not what they're they're never going to tell you this. OK, I'm going to tell you some secrets of how. Financial advisors, FAs, that's what they call us, FAs. Now, before, so as FAs, do CFPs also, is it similar or is there well, a delineation there? They're going to have the same there? Series 766 license, but they're going to have, they went to some more schooling to get a CFP, right? Okay. But the underlying license is a Series 7, normally a Series 766. Okay. Right. And so I, that's what I had. I was, I can, you know, do stocks, bonds, beach funds, all of it, like life insurance, a full range of puts and, and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but in that game, what I really, when you get into with a bunch of financial advisors, it's all about <clears throat> the word is assets under management. That's, that's the key, right? 
that's every like when they get together, they don't talk about you as you think they do. They only talk about you as a dollar and a number. Okay. And I hate to bust that bubble. And I'm not, I'm not saying everybody's like this, but I just know if I was to pull a big group together, I'm like, this is how they act. Right. They really don't care about your money. They just want to get your money. <clears throat> when advisors get together, they just talk about how much money they made off of each client. So it is like the Wolf of Wall Street where he's like, the only goal is to get their money and put it from their pocket into your pocket. And because, you know, and put it in an investment and then it does what it does. They don't care about the outcomes. Right. And, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. A, I'm crapping on myself here because I was a financial advisor and I was in the same realm and I was probably doing some of the same things <clears throat> of it. But then you start really, you know, you're, you're really trying to do a good job for the investors, right? You're, you know, they come to you. So I'll give you an example. I had this couple that came from Intel and they're both husband and wife, both work at Intel for like 20 something years. They're retiring from the company and they've got about a million and a half each in mm-hmm. retirement funds and a 401ks. So 3 million comes in. And I, you know, they're like, this is our retirement. This is what we have. And they like, you have done well. And so we invested it in a very um, conservative portfolio, right? And um, this was 2007, right? 2007 is when they did this. Yep. 2008, everything's fine. 2009, Boom. right? 2009, they come into my office and the woman comes in and she is just just disheveled. She looks like a ghost. And her husband's just like she's she's sobbing and he is just clammy and like just white. And I'm just telling you, it was the worst scene that I could have ever imagine in my mind of like they just like destitute because they've done the right thing all their life. Right. And I'm their financial advisor. Now, my advice to them was don't do anything except cut all your living expenses, right? Get as mean and tight for, you know, the next three or four years, we're going to get, we'll come out of it and you'll be in a good spot, right? But that's not what they did. They said, sell it all, right? Move Mm. it into money market. Take my investments out. And by that time, that 3 million was 1.5, right? 50% decrease, yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. Right. So then I move it. And then guess what? I move their money. Guess what I have to do? Charge them a fee. Cause I'm moving money. Right. And that's the moment for me where my, my heart left the business. Right. But what I realized at that point is I had no control. You know, I was, I was, these were my best clients, right? Like this is good amount of money for both of them. I was really trying to pay attention to their stuff yet. I had a, my only advice was to them was like, it's the market. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and they have to accept that. And there's Hard nothing thing to I, accept. That's when I realized I had no control because like you give some money, that much money to somebody. Right. And then like they, you know, growth fund of America, this, you know, mutual fund, but how many people does that money go to till it finally gets to the person that says, all right, now buy, you know, a hundred shares of this and 50 shares of that, like that actually is making the moves. Right. Who is that person? Nobody knows, by the way. Nobody knows. Right. And so I realized like there's no control. So my heart left the business, my sales left right after, 
and I end up getting fired from Edward Jones. This is this is how I become a full time real estate guy, right? But and now that I've been doing it a while, what I I back it up to say, listen, what the great thing about real estate, and especially the commercial piece of it, is we have levers, right? So like so think about it. We just went through COVID. Um, COVID could have been crazy. Now it was for me, and I I do I own a lot of student housing properties, college that rent to college kids, right? Well, what happened during COVID? <laughs> no one went to school. And if they did, they didn't, they weren't, they were doing it online. Right. So they didn't stay in my place. My place went from 100% occupancy to 45. Now, 45% occupancy for a full year is a death kiss. Okay. Unless you have levers. And so I started hitting levers. So my first lever was half the staff or a third of the staff gone right? Had to, right? Skeletonize my whole operation. We had to get so lean and so efficient just to break through. And we did it, right? Now- You're still here. We're still here. I still own those assets, right? I actually, because Corey's brain works this way, I'm like, hmm, I can't be the only one hurting. I bet you there's a lot more pain out there. Let me go buy some of that pain. Right. So I actually doubled down. I bought like five more different student housing properties during that time. Um, mm-hmm. And and they're and then that's actually being they're coming out to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Right. Because I bought when people needed to or had to sell or wanted and just, you know, were throwing their hands up, too. So I bought opportunity. Um, but my, my main point is like you can cut costs, you can be more efficient. There's things you can do. With the stock market, I just had to throw up my hands and say, it's the market. There's nothing I can do. I'm at the mercy of it. And, you know, when you're looking at an alternative to the stock market, when you're looking to to have alternative investments out there, I think finding a good syndicator or or even real estate, if you're going to do it yourself, is a good option because it does allow you some levers, Casey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do have lots of levers to manage the real estate. I mean, right now, interest rates are very high but you can counteract interest rates with purchase price, you know, creative financing options, managing your pro forma rents, like managing the business asset itself. And one thing that you touched on before we hit record was the operational integration that you're now implementing in Kahuna Investments. Can you talk to us a little bit about a what what that means and and why you're doing that? Yeah, so thanks the great question and great great setting me up for this because now I said, I said I would never become a property management company, right? I was like, I don't ever want to do it. I'm just going to be an owner operator. I'm going to hire a third party property management company to do the work for me. Um, and I've, that's what I've done since 2011. Here now it is 2023, 12 years later, I finally got fed up with it, right? And here's why, right? Because it's all more and more I find in today's economy and today's hiring environment, people will make or break your company. It's, it's really, we are in the people business. I think it always has been like that. And I feel like a lot of companies actually forget that they lose sight. They lose sight of it. Yep. And that is their, so if that's our biggest asset is our people, right? And then your systems and process right thereafter. Right. What you in, in, what you inspect, you can expect. Right. Mm. And 
what I found was a property management uh, third-party agreement, fee-based agreement, based on how much they collect, not how much they spend, is very not in line with my operating goals. They are not, we are not aligned in the same thoughts and values of what we're trying to achieve. And so we made the decision this year, 2023, we vertically integrated. I mean, we took all the property management, the accounting, all that stuff in-house. Now, we did that because we wanted to have control of the, the, the process, but I will tell you now, it's more about control of the people and our culture, right? So, and the best way I can describe this is to quantify like what it meant for us. We have this one property that we bought last year. We bought it in like um, June, right? Now for student housing, August is what's called turn. So when everybody moves in and moves out, they all do it at one point in time, right? All the college kids move out and then we have about three weeks to do all the work and then they move back in and then they stay in for the whole, you know, whole year. So uh, at one property we spent last year, $375,000 during this turn process, right? It's about a two chunk. Month, two, it's a good, a lot of, it's a lot of money this year because we did it on our, on Kahuna's way, right? We spent like $130,000, $135,000, right? It's like a $200,000 difference, right? And for simply because we said we weren't going to spend stupid money. We were going to spend it like it was ours. So in that, there's a system and a process. So we have what's called CAs, Community uh, Ambassadors. These are for the college kids that work part-time for us. Normally, last year, the year before, the property management company decided to hire a cleaning service and a cleaning service came in and cleaned all the vacant units. Right. Well, we said, you know, because kids don't stay the whole school year, like especially the ones that are like done once school's out, they're gone. And there's a four month period of time before they come back. So we can get into these units and start cleaning. And so that's what we did is we had these little CAs or, uh, you know, the college kids that need some, they need some work. And we gave them some gloves and some, some uh, you know, some uh, chemical and, uh, you know, some scrub brush. Yeah. yeah. And let's go to work. And they did. And they did it for fractions of the cost, right? And it's just like little things like that. But that happened because we're like, dude, if it was our money, what would we do? We have staff. Can we hire staff? Can we, like, why hire a company when you can just create and create the process in, in-house? And so a lot of things we do is we say, we only sub out if we have to. Can we do it ourselves? Do we have the necessary people? Can they do the job? Can they do it well? And all it's led to is efficiencies that create, you know, bottom line NOI growth, net operating income. And that's what, that's what, that's the metric we hit. Corey, I love that you brought this up because I have never heard of bringing college ambassadors in-house, you're providing student housing. So essentially there is a lack of a better term, a medium between your company and the students. If those college ambassadors are also cleaning the units, they can rightfully so say that unit is good. I cleaned it myself. It's a great person. I also work for the company that manages the property. They're great people. Mr. Peterson's great. We like what he does. Would you like a place to stay? That's it. That 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 is their 
when they're not cleaning, right? So, you know, when they're not doing that, that's turn season. When they're not turn season, they're out on campus with flyers saying, have you heard about, you know, Eagles Village or Slippery Rock University, uh, you know, are, are off, you know, uh, off the campus living. Do you want to live in the dorm? Do you still want to live in the dorm? Dorm life sucks. Come to our place. We've got amenities. We got a, a pool table, a hot tub, a pool, you know, like we have ping pong, you know, it's just, a, it's a whole different vibe. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it is a beautiful thing to watch it be done. And, um, Honestly, I love student housing because it keeps me young, right? I mean, you you work with this uh, different segment of young adults, and you know what? The, what do the parents want? The parents want clean, safe, disciplined. Like, let my co- kid get through the college experience without getting you know, screwed up. Uh huh. And so that's what we try to provide, right? Um, within well, you the probably context, also party with them, right, Corey? Yeah, Corey never does that. No, no way. <laughs> And if any of my staff do, they're gone too, right? <laughs> so we we tend to, like we have a really tough policy when it comes to fraternizing with um, the people that live, especially with our maintenance guys. And like, there's just you know we got to have badges, we got to have like there's just yeah. certain it needs to be a professional to to. experience for sure, right? That's the last thing you want is any type of bad slander because a maintenance guy went in unannounced or something like that. Right. Or mm-hmm. perceived unannounced. Yeah, exactly. But it all comes back to that vertical integration. You're allowing vertical integration allows you to become operationally efficient and better able to control that asset. And what that, what that really means for the investors that you're bringing into those deals, like you said, you have more levers to pull so to ensure that their investments are are sound. They're not losing capital. They're gaining the metrics that you guys are putting out there. And a very unlike the situation where you were a financial advisor, you said, well, it's a, it's the market. We don't have too much control over what's actually happening but with these, you do. It is a game changer. And I I swore I would never do it, right? But looking back, it's going to be probably the most biggest thing I've done in the last three to five years is making this change, is to looking at my team and we're like, do we want to do this? Because it's we like, like property management is not a profit center. Like I barely make any money. I just take all the money that I was given away and I'm like, how can I buy more staff and more people? Right. I pay myself a small salary, but like I'm not making I make the money in the real estate. Right. But I I control the machine and I control it way better. And that's what we've learned is we we control it way better with our ideas, our culture, our um, our focus on the NOI. Everything we do is NOI focused. So when we're talking to property managers, we're making them get familiar with the profit and loss statement to understand their numbers and why they have a budget. What does that budget mean and how that, that, that we are responsible to investors. And so it's really getting everybody in because your property manager becomes, they just want, they want robots, right? Yep. They don't think, and they don't, they have no idea what's going on. And so we open up the bigger realm and say, there's a way bigger picture and you matter. And that's the biggest piece of the deal is letting you'd be surprised. Some people work for pay. Some people work for recognition, recognition, right? And a lot of women, we have a lot of women on our staff. I'm telling you, you recognize them and make them 
in front of their peers and make them feel special. And, and when they do things and you reward them in, in that light, these girls are monsters, dude. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, they, they move mountains and they will move it for my company. They bleed Kahuna red. And um, it is a very powerful thing and it's very attractive too. It's very potent, right? That attracts the right people. So I don't have to now police my properties. They police themselves. They're like, you're either Kahuna or you're not. <laughs> right. And so and that's the words that they say. And um, so in that, the whole story behind that is culture, right? What is your company culture? And we focused, that's my job as the CEO and founder is there's three things that I'm responsible for people, culture, and numbers, right? I got to know my numbers. I got to, my culture being the culture king leads me to find and being responsible for my people. So I'm usually involved in the hiring process, uh, not at all the staff level at the property level, but definitely for anything above that, that is all my realm. I'm, I interview everybody. I'm in part of that process. We're working on even getting to the process of uh, I may be starting to do the property managers as well, being in some shape or form in that in the introduction phase because we want them to see that the bigger there's a bigger picture, right? The bigger idea. And for us, what it's led to is a great partnership to where we can um, we provide good details to the investors. We're running the machine more efficiently and uh, be, being able to you know reward everybody involved, which is you know. Paying the investors when they're supposed to. Yep. Creating those win-win solutions that you really, it, it's really hard to create those scenarios in anywhere else that I've found. Yeah. And it's not perfect too. Casey, it's not a perfect world too. Like here's the thing. People think that real estate's super sexy. It's super, yeah. it's always good. Everything's no. good. It's always hunky dory. Yeah. Yeah. Most Everyone's people, rich. Most right? people <laughs> will lie to you. Right. And I'll tell you the truth is it's a grind sometimes there's seasons to this thing. There's ups and flows and downs. And, and so what you want is a good per, you know, someone that's, that doesn't get rattled by all of that. Right. Like that's my job is I'm a chief problem solver. We have these things and sometimes the ocean's smooth and calm and sometimes it's violent. And yep. so again, but I'm the, the captain of the ship and I've got to make sure that we're on course. And sometimes these storms pull us off and then we got to like okay hold on we're going to take some work to get us back on track mm-hmm. and that's what i do right and that's what i and i love doing it with the team i, I never thought that I'd, i used to be more of a recluse right go into my office my home office and sit there but what i found is i really love people i love watching them grow i love being their biggest cheerleader and i think that's my job right is to be a cheerleader for my team because they're doing most of the work now and I'm just giving them the vision and the company insight and the add a girls and add a boys to make them uh, help them succeed in their goals. Yeah. Providing that pathway for them, really empowering them to make those decisions, lead their teams. It's really cool. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think people is people make any machine work and I love that you have such a big focus on it because when companies get big, it seems like they forget that people are behind the tasks. Like people aren't just task monkeys. Like they have a personality, they have a life, they have goals as well. And it seems like all too often when you're just focusing on returns or just focusing on one very specific thing that people get lost 
Absolutely. And it's a damn shame, right? Because people want you to do good and they will do more than you ever thought they could if you'll just give them the right tools and the right belief behind them, right? And here's the other thing. People make mistakes. My people make mistakes all the time. Guess what? Casey, I make mistakes. So if oh, yeah, I make mistakes, do. they're they're going to make mistakes too. And I'm okay with it as long as they do it with the right heart and the right intentions, right? And then I reward that because they're trying something. They're getting uncomfortable. They were trying probably something new and that's okay. Um, you know, and so that is the, that's part of your culture and you have culture in your company, whether you know it or not, right? And whether you control it or not. And so I say, take control of your culture, take control of your business, which is what we've done. And uh, we love the real estate aspect because it, it's a good way for investors to to partner along with us and have the benefits of real estate without having to do the tenants and toilets of real estate. Yeah. The, the stress of management. Yep. Yep. For sure. Corey, this has been great. I mean, we covered some, some hot topics, especially around financial advising, vertical integration, which is a, it's a smart strategy. You know, people have, there's pros and cons to everything, but I really appreciate your perspective on this today, Corey. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Uh, if I can, I would love to give everybody a, a copy of my book. So if yeah. uh, if if they will text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 480-500-1127. So text the word book to 480-500-1127. My team will send you a book, Copy Your Way to Success, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, uh, for free. And it's just our gift for listening. And, and really, uh, it's a great book. It's really about my hero's journey. It's about being that farm boy and dreaming big. And then um, all the mistakes along the way. So it's a very inspiring story that I think a lot of people will relate to. That's great. And we will also put that in the show notes for everyone interested as usual. Corey, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Rock and roll. Thanks a lot. Hell yeah. Everyone listening, hope you enjoyed today's episode. You know what to do, rate, subscribe, you know, and we will be at you next week. See you, everyone. Bye.